Good morning. <laughs> it's time to begin our services this morning. Just want to welcome everyone here. Good to see everybody. And if you're visiting with us, we especially uh, thank you for being here and uh, invite you back to be with us again and worship with us. There's also uh, visitor cards in front of you in the pews if you wouldn't um, mind to take a time to fill one of those out. You can just drop it in the uh, collection plate as they come around here in a few minutes. Also, uh, just a reminder to silence your cell phones at this time. Also, uh, today is our potluck meal, and that'll be right after our morning services. So I'd love for you to stick around. If you're visiting with us, uh, we invite you to stay for that. There's always plenty of food, and we'd love to have an opportunity to, to get to know you better and then visit with you. Also, a reminder, we will not be having our 6 p.m. services today. We'll have 1 p.m. service right after our potluck meal. And then after that, at 2 p.m., we'll be going over to the, uh, to the nursing home here in Proctorville at Wingate for our sing. And um, we've started that back last month. It's the first time we've been able to do that since COVID. And it was, it was a great time. We had a, uh, a really good um, turnout with the, uh, the residents there. And I know that those of us that went over there were, were encouraged by that. So I invite you to, uh, to join us for that today. Also, just a reminder to pick up a Rome journal for all the upcoming activities and for all of those on the prayer list. We've got a, a lot going on this summer, uh, many things coming up. And also there's a youth calendar on the, uh, the table in the foyer. I encourage uh, you to pick one of those up as well. Take a look at that. Go ahead and make plans for that. Summer's uh, rapidly approaching. And like I said, we've got a lot going on for all ages. So just encourage everyone to, uh, to get involved this summer. Uh, Dave will have our full announcements at the end of services. And I think that's all I had in way of announcements. Um, so as we prepare to enter our worship services, let's go to God in prayer. Dear God, we approach you this morning, Father, thanking you for all the many blessings of life. We thank you for this first day of the week that we're able to be here, Father, to worship you. We thank you so much for all that you do for us for your love for us, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus, for his death on the cross, his resurrection, Father, the hope that we have through that. Father, we just thank you for our time here this morning. We ask your blessings upon our service, our worship, Father. Pray that everything that we do is pleasing to you. We ask your blessings upon Chris as he delivers the message here in a little bit. Pray that you be with us as we uh, surround the table and, and remember Jesus and and Father, we just pray that we will put our minds solely on you this day. We will worship you with all that we have and that we'll remove all the uh, distractions of the world, Father. Father, we're mindful of so many of our number that are unable to be here, that are dealing with various health issues. We ask your blessings upon them. We ask for healing for them. We ask that you'd be with our shut-ins at this time, that you'd be with them and strengthen and comfort them, Father. Father, forgive us when we fall short and we sin against you. It's through Jesus Christ we pray these things. Amen. Please stand for the first song. First hymn this morning, number 111. Come we that love the Lord. <clears throat> number marching design. <clears throat> we'll sing first, second, and last. Come we that love the Lord and that our joy be on. 
10, Jesus loves me. 810. <clears throat> and after this hand, Brother Jeff Floyd will have our scripture reading and prayer. Jesus loves me this Children born of the 
Let us pray. Lord, we come to you this morning. Lord, we pray that you'll be with us. We pray, Lord, you'll help us through this service. We pray that as Chris brings us a lesson, that he might touch our hearts. We pray that for this congregation, the church family we have here, Lord, that you'll, that you'll be with us, you'll guide us. We pray, Lord, for the elders and the decisions that they have to make. We pray, Lord, that, that, you, that you lead them and they follow your will. We pray, Lord, for the, especially at this time, as we finish the school year, we pray for the youth and those who are graduating. We pray that you'll be with those. We pray with um, those who are in college, you continue to be with them. And Lord, we pray that those who are working with the youth and all the, all the things that are coming up, Lord, that you will, you will be with them. Lord, we pray that you'll be with those who are traveling. We pray those who are um, shut-ins and and elderly, we pray you'll continue to be with them. Help us, Lord, and guide us and forgive us. In Christ's name we pray, and amen. The scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews were who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers. Next time this morning, number 495, on the depth and the riches, 495. <clears throat> The depth and the riches of God's saving grace, glowing down from the cross for thee. There is therefore my gift by the Savior was paid in his suffering.
I grew up in a, in a congregation that we did uh, communion probably uh, like once a month. And uh, so whenever I uh, got older and started attending where it was weekly, I, you know, I instantly started thinking, why, why are we doing this every week? You know, I never did that. And uh, so once I learned more about it and uh, I learned that it's not just a time, just something that we do. It's some, it's a, it's a participation. It's actually a communion that we have together um, to, to look at not only what God did for us and what Jesus did and the sacrifice that he gave, but, um, what I can do for myself every week to examine myself and how I have been this past week and if God will be proud of me. And um, so I want us to look at 2 Corinthians 13, uh, 5 through 7. If you want to turn there, you probably know it. It says, examine yourself. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. He says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And, we, and I read that, and that, that's one of the things that I have in my mind every Sunday as we are taking Lord's Supper. And not only focusing on what Jesus did for, for us and for myself, but what am I doing for him? And how did I do this past week? Um, so a lot of those times, and if, you, if, you don't, if it's not something that you do every week, because that's what the church did um, that we can look at and we see that they did that every week it's real easy to get out of that thought process of how, how did I do did I please God um, so I think it's, it's vital that we look at each week look at ourselves and appreciate the things that Jesus did for us but also what am I doing for him and how did I, uh, did I how did I fall short um, talking with people, hey, you need to, I really like you to keep me accountable for this week. These are the things I'm struggling with. So, um, and this is not what I wrote down at all, but that's okay. So, um, so I want us to take this time to focus on, uh, obviously, the sacrifice that Jesus did for us, but also how has my life changed because of that, okay? So examine ourselves. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you uh, for this time where we can come together with you, and um, we just thank you for the sacrifice that you gave for us. I pray that each and every one of us during this time is able to um, thank you for that, and but also at the same time to be able to, to look at ourselves and see if we're doing the things that, uh, that you can look at us and, and smile and be happy with us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Let's pray. Dear God, so often we uh, kind of take for granted, I think, at least myself, the what your sacrifice was for us. And I pray uh, and thank you for, for what you did. Uh, it's something that I think about, but uh, a lot of times I don't really grasp um, the difficulty of what that would entail. And we just thank you again for, the, for everything you did for us and that we can show you that uh, we're thankful for it by how we live out our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Giving is a sacrifice, or at least it should be. Um, when given to the Lord, we, uh, <clears throat> he wants our best. So having that as a sacrifice, um, you know, in the New Testament, he doesn't really tell us how much to give. Um, he, I think the, the purpose of that is he wants 
the desire for us to give. And, uh, you know, when it talks about being a cheerful giver, and, uh, and if we look in 2 Corinthians 9, it says, The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, cheer, a cheerful giver. So if giving is a sacrifice, one thing I want you to think about as we, as we do this is to think, is my giving actually a sacrifice? Is the amount I'm giving co- costing me something? Maybe it's uh, how you, I mean, the money that you have, is it, is it hurting, not, not so much hurting, but is it taking away from things I would do normally? And if it's not, um, maybe it's not much of a sacrifice. So be thinking of that as we pray today. Dear God, we thank you uh, for the, this, uh, this building and uh, the things that uh, we know that it's used for good and for your kingdom and to, uh, to reach others and to provide services and, and learn and grow closer to you. Um, to do that, we know we need to give and that that's something that you command of us. And I just uh, thank you again and I pray that we use uh, the things for you uh, for you and that you're pleased with that. Amen. Let's please stand. We'll sing hymn number 399. Let the Lord be praised, O Zion. 399. It's at this time the young children may go to the children's Bible out. Shout out loud. 
Invitation to him this morning, number 356. Jesus is tenderly calling for the Christian. Good morning. It's hard to change someone's mind, isn't it? Uh, you've probably seen that if you've ever gotten in an argument on Facebook or on social media. It's pretty difficult to change somebody's mind. Uh, if you've ever watched those debates um, that the politicians have uh, on, on TV and stuff, how many of times do you walk into one of those debates or, or turn, tune into one of those debates and think, man, my mind has really been changed? Most of the time when we are in that situation, most of the time when we're listening through those debates, it's more to solidify what we already believe, right? We're not going to that debate to get our mind changed. We're going there to solidify what we currently believe. Let me illustrate this in one more way. If you've ever been to the doctor and you walk out and you think, that guy's a quack. <laughs> Went to med school for eight years. He's been practicing for 20. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I, however, on Google, I know what I'm talking about, right? It's very difficult to change our minds. Today we're in Acts chapter 14, and we're going to talk about somebody changing their mind, but not for the best. Let me walk you through Acts chapter 14. Today we're in Iconium. Uh, we've been talking through a series that we're calling Villains. Uh, and you find several villains uh, starting in Acts chapter 12 with Herod Agrippa. And then uh, in Acts chapter 13 you met the magician Elimus. Uh, both these guys are uh, villains. And, and so we've talked about those. Uh, today we're in Acts chapter 14 and we're talking about the Iconium mob. There's a mob that's going to form in the city of Iconium. And they're going to uh, raise a lot of trouble for Paul and his company. So as we think through uh, exactly where Iconium is and what's happening here, uh, let's start back in Cyprus because that's, that's kind of the last place we really left Paul and company. Uh, and so that's where they met Elimus. They're on the, on the left side of Cyprus, kind of the, the city called Paphos is where they met Elimus uh, and, and uh he was punished there for his, his blindness, not just his physical blindness, but also his spiritual blindness. He refused to see. Uh, and so that's where they met him. After they, after they leave Cyprus, they're going to head north to uh, Pamphylia, a little, little city called Perga. And that's where John Mark's going to leave uh, their company. He's going to head back all the way across the Mediterranean back to Jerusalem. You see Judea there, down there at the bottom of the map. So he's going to leave their company uh, there in Pamphylia and Perga. When they get there, he heads back home. Uh, he's going to rejoin Paul in, uh, later on in his life, but for, for the least, at least the last little bit, the next little bit, 
John Mark is uh, not useful to Paul for ministry. That will change uh, later on in his life. But after Perga, seems like not much happens in Perga. Luke doesn't give us a very complete record. He kind of mentions that they stop there. Uh, but they go on up to Antioch in Pisidia. Um, that's the green section. So if you, if you see uh, the green section there, Galatia, um, the, next little, the, the next big city that they're going to visit is Antioch of Pisidia. This is an interesting city. Um, some things are going to happen there. In fact, Paul is going to start off in the synagogue as he does. That's become his M.O. Uh, he's going to start off in the synagogue and he's going to teach the Jews there. And eventually the Jews are going to get tired of his teaching. They're going to push back because they too are spiritually blind like Elimus is. They, they don't, it's not that they don't have the ability to understand or the ability to see. They refuse to acknowledge. They refuse to, to understand. They look for ways to, um, to find fault. So that's what the Jewish people are going to do eventually in uh, Antioch of Pisidia. In fact, they're going to run Paul out of um, Antioch of Pisidia. He's going to flee to Iconium. So that's where we pick up here in Acts chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. Again, this is, this is um, the Greeks here is people that have converted to Judaism, I think, um, because they're in the synagogue there. But in verse 2, some unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. Iconium is kind of an interesting um, city, and so we probably need to spend a little bit of time talking about it. Um, modern day Iconium, it's still around. You can, you can visit modern day Iconium. It's called Konya today. Uh, it used to be the sixth largest city in all of the Turkish Empire. But in Paul's day, it was the third largest city in the entire Galatian region, uh, right behind Antioch. And so it is a, a large city, and Paul is there for a reason. Um, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, why he happens to be there. Um, but while he's there, he's going to undergo some significant persecution, some significant pain is going to be handed out to Paul in Iconium. We're not really let in on what exactly that pain is. Uh, we don't really know what they did um, specifically. But we do know that 20 years later, toward the end of his life, Paul's going to look back on his time in Iconium and he's going to remember it. And this is, this is the account of that there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says, you, however, talking to Timothy, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, Antioch of Pisidia. Remember that they, they ran him out of town at Iconium and at Lystra. You know what happens at Lystra? They stone him. And then he gets back up and he walks back into the city and, and he continues his, his teaching there and eventually leaves for Derby. So... These, this persecution, whatever happened to him at Iconium, um, must have been quite significant because he can still recall it all these years later. And in fact, when he's talking to Timothy about persecutions, this is the spot that he goes back to. So not to say that it's the most um, pain, the most persecuted Paul has ever been, but at, toward the end of his life as he's talking to a young man that he views as his son, um, 
this is the event that he recalls. And so it's, it's interesting that, that he would go uh, to that in his mind. Um, so if you were to visit modern-day Iconium, modern-day Konya, um, this is what you would see. This is the road that Paul most likely would have traveled uh, as he went to, um, to Antioch, or comes from Antioch to Iconium, and then from, Cone, uh, from Iconium uh, to Lystra. This is uh, at least a road very much like this one. This is modern-day Iconium. Um, so this is probably something very much like the road that Paul would have traveled on. He intends to go to Iconium. He's trying to get there. This is not happenstance. Sometimes I think we just kind of think that, that they just kind of wandered around and, and maybe they didn't have a map or maybe they didn't know the next big city. Paul and company just kind of wander around and eventually they find a big city or a city of some sort and they set up shop there and they try to talk to people. That's not at all what's going on. Uh, of course, Paul is very regimented in this as he is with most things in his life. Um, he has a plan. And so he has intended to go to Iconium from Antioch of Pisidia. It's not an easy travel. This is mountainous terrain. So we're talking at least the foothills of the Taurus Mountains, if not uh, much more rugged terrain. It's about 100 miles from Antioch of Pisidia to Iconium. And so he has to work hard to get there. Um, and once he's there, he receives a welcome um, for a while. It's not going to be um, a great welcome for very long, though. <laughs> you see in verse 2, in Acts chapter 14, verse 2, the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and they poisoned their minds against the brothers. And so in verse 3, they remained for a long time speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. This long time... That little, little phrase in verse 3. You probably want to underline that. That's really the only time marker that Luke gives us for anything that happens during Paul's first missionary journey. Um, we, don't, we don't have dates. We don't really have um, time markers for, for the rest of the first missionary journey except this one. And he says it's a long time. And so we're intended to, to understand, I guess, that Paul and his company stayed at Iconium for longer than they had been at the other places uh, on this first missionary journey. We're pretty positive that he would have stayed in Antioch of Pisidia, at least for the winter. So think three to four months there because it's not really safe uh, to travel in that section of the, uh, of the country uh, because of the weather. Um, so most likely he would have stayed during the winter uh, there. So picture him three to four months in, in Antioch. But here he stays much longer. I found a, a couple of commentaries, one indicating that he could have stayed anywhere from one to three years in Iconium. So don't, don't picture um, this very quick trip. I think sometimes when we picture Paul and, 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 his, and his co-workers traveling around uh, in, the, in their world, we kind of picture them as, A, kind of just rummaging around like we talked about earlier. They, they had a purpose. And there was no just kind of wandering around. But secondly, I, I think we almost picture them as, as very quickly passing through these cities. And they stay there for a week or two weeks or three weeks, maybe a month, uh, and then they pass on. That's not usually what happens unless they're forced into that. Usually, 
Uh, Paul and his co-workers will stay there for a good long time so that they can build up the church in that area. And that seems to be the case here in Iconium. He's going to stay there for a long time, which could be as long as three years, um, but it's certainly longer than four months, I would imagine. So that's what, that's what he's going to do. And you kind of see um, the, the route he would have had to take from Antioch to get to Iconium there. So... He stays there for a long time. Verse 4, though, um, we start getting into some of this mistreatment that he and his co-workers had to endure in Iconium. Verse 4 says, But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Jews and Gentiles with their rulers to mistreat them and stone them, they learned of it and fled to Derby and or fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia, and to the surrounding country, and there continued to preach the gospel. So, Paul starts off in the synagogue as he does, and he is there to teach people. Right? Uh, he starts off talking, um, and some people are willing to see, and they're willing to believe, and they're willing to understand. Their hearts are open, and they're ready to listen. Some people, like you find in Antioch of Pisidia, they're, they're not there to listen. They're there to push back. Uh, and so after a little while, maybe a couple of Sunday or a couple of Saturdays or so, it could have been longer than that, but eventually the Jews tire of Paul's logic. He's always driving towards Christ. Everything for Paul leads to Christ. The whole Old Testament will lead. It's just bringing you to Christ. And now that he's here, your job is to submit to him, to listen to him, to obey him. And if you refuse to obey him, there's not really anything left to talk about. And so Paul will move away from the Jews and he will move to the, the Gentiles at least for a little while. They are uh, listening. But it comes up pretty quickly that these Jewish people who don't want to listen and who are blind and apparently are deaf as well, they don't want to listen, they convince the Gentiles to mistreat Paul and his company. Iconium is ruled by the people. It is a Roman province, and so ultimately Caesar has say what goes on in Iconium, but the Iconiums don't like Caesar. They don't like being a Roman province. Uh, in fact, Claudius, Emperor, Emperor Claudius gave them his name, Claudi Iconium. It's what, they, it's what he dubbed Iconium, Claudi Iconium. It wasn't too long after that before they disavowed that name and went back to Iconium. They don't like Roman rule. They are ruled by their own people. Um, and so if you're in this city, you are a, a part of the governing bodies, parliament sort of, I suppose. Um, but that's who these unbelieving, these disobedient, really, Jews stir up. And they, their job is to kick, eventually, Paul and his company out of Iconium. But in the meantime, they're going to mistreat them. Again, he's there for a long time. We don't know exactly how long. Uh, the guess, one, three years or so. But during that time period, he undergoes and they undergo some sort of mistreatment. What exactly might that be? Well, maybe um, it's 
it's quite significant. He's going to use this term, um, mistreat. He's going to use it a couple of different times. Uh, in fact, he's going to use it uh, during Jesus' uh, parable about the vineyard owner. He's going to send, you remember the parable? He's going to send uh, some servants over to the vineyard and they're going to collect rent from the vineyard owner or from the, uh, from the tenants. And the, some of those servants are mistreated. Some of those servants are killed. Uh, so this, this mistreatment could be quite serious. Um, God's going to use this term mistreatment in Luke, 8 verse, Luke 18 verse 32 about Jesus' own execution. Um, this is used of Paul's treatment at Philippi when he was flogged and put in the stocks. And so what this word mistreat might mean, we're not exactly sure because Paul doesn't record for us the events that happened there. Uh, how exactly he was persecuted, but we are supposed to see um, him being severely persecuted. Um, he's in quite a bit of pain while he's there. So, uh, during this time period of Paul's preaching, he receives a lot of persecution. And that's one of the reasons he remembers um, this time period in his life 20 years later toward the end of his own life. So, this mob forms, and eventually they are going to kick Paul out of uh, Iconium. Verse 4, But the people of the city were divided, some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews <coughs> with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Laconia and the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. So this doesn't get in their way. They just move along, and they go on down to Lystra and Derby. What's interesting is the letter to Galatians was probably written to these congregations. Most scholars today identify um, Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby as Galatia. Uh, and so when Paul writes the letter to the Galatians, it's most likely to these cities, maybe some others, but certainly to these, these four cities. Uh, and so you have a little bit more uh, depth there You learn a little bit more things about this area from the letter to the Galatians. But even in that letter, you find the Jews still giving Christians problems. Um, they're still trying to pull them back, uh, at least the Jewish people, they're still trying to pull them back into Judaism. And they're, they're persecuting the ones um, that don't, the ones, the Christians that refuse to come back, uh, that, that go back into Judaism. So... What can we learn from this Iconium mob? Remember how earlier we talked about how it's, it's hard to change someone's mind? It is tough, isn't it? Uh, and if you've ever been in a conversation with someone who just doesn't seem to be listening, you, you think, what, what's the disconnect here? Why? I'm talking English, and, and you're speaking English, English, and so why can't we understand each other? Well, it's because we've already got our minds made up, right? It's difficult. To change someone's mind, but the Gentiles and the disbelieving Jews here, the disobedient Jews, changed the minds of the people in Iconium. They like Paul and his company, at least in the beginning. They're listening, but there toward the end of his time in Iconium, their minds are going to be poisoned by the disobedient Jews. So the Jewish people the disobedient Jews are changing the minds of, of these people. 
It's interesting, right? So how, do we ever do that? Are, are we ever poisoning someone else's mind? Um, and how do we do that? How, how, how might we poison someone else's mind against Christ? Well, every time my life is inconsistent with the truth of the gospel, every time I make compromises, every time I make concessions, every time I'm complacent, every time I'm anything but wholeheartedly, gracefully following Christ, my life has the opportunity to poison someone else's mind against him. As people watch you, how you interact with your family, how you interact with your coworkers, how you interact with everyone around you, they watch. And if they know you're a Christian, they judge Christ and your faith based on how you act. It's true, isn't it? Has anyone ever been surprised you were a Christian? That'll hurt, doesn't it? Well, like, well, the way you talk, I can't believe you're a Christian. The way you think, I can't believe you're a Christian. That's, that's us poisoning their minds against Christ. It's awfully hard to change someone's mind. But through continued effort, it happens, doesn't it? Especially if it's in the negative. Especially if we're not bringing honor to his name, but shame. It's easy to change someone's mind then, isn't it? It's one of the things we can learn from the Iconium mob. We've got to be careful that our lives are lined up with Jesus's. Because if we're not following like that, if we're not crucified with Christ, our lives might be saying something different than our mouths are. Right? If we're doing something other than wholeheartedly, devotedly following Christ, our lives are speaking louder than our words are. That's one of the things you find here with the Iconium mob. They poisoned the other believers' minds, at least the other people who were sitting on the fence. There's, there's at least three contingencies of people in Iconium, and there's at least three contingencies of people in your own life too. There's the believers, there's the people who are dead set against Christ, and then there's the people sitting on the fence. In Iconium, these people are set. The believers are set. The disobedient Jews are set. The ones sitting on the fence are the ones that we're really looking at today, and they're the ones who are, we're really looking at in our own lives as we try to apply Acts 14 to us. What does it mean to us? Well, I think we're looking at those people who are sitting on the fence. The people who haven't made a decision to follow yet, but they also haven't made a decision to, to turn away. They're, they're listening. They're interested. They're the ones who are asking questions, who are watching. You may not know that they're watching. They may just be sitting back, just paying attention to the way that you live your life or the way that you think, the way that you talk, the way you prioritize who you are. They're looking at who you are, right? And they're sitting on the fence thinking, should I make the sacrifices? Does this make sense? 
Is this, is this person the real deal? His transformation really happened in their life. And could it happen in mine too? Those are the people that we're concerned about, right? The people sitting on the fence. These disobedient Jews came alongside the people sitting on the fence in Iconium and they poisoned their minds against Christ and against Paul. We have to be so careful not to poison people's minds against Christ. And we do that, I think, by the way we live, by who we are, by how we act, by how we talk, by how we think, by what we prioritize, by how we follow. So how are you following today? Are you devotedly following? Are you sacrificially following like, like Drew was talking about in his, uh, in his Lord's Supper thoughts this morning? Are we sacrificially following? Are we giving everything we have to follow Him? Or is it more half-hearted? Are we just going through the motions? That's not a place we can stay, right? The half-hearted, the lukewarm, the just going through the motions. If you're there today, you, you don't have to stay there. and You, you shouldn't stay there. It's, it's a dangerous place, not just for you. Although it is a dangerous place for you because that's not pleasing to God. And that will be something that, that he condemns, right? Um, in the letter to, to the churches of Revelation, he talks about a church that's lukewarm. Do you remember what he says he's going to do to them? He's going to spit them out of his mouth. And so that's not a place that you should stay. It's not a place that you have to stay. It's a dangerous place for us, isn't it? But it's not just a dangerous place for us. It's a dangerous place for those connected to us because we have the ability to poison their minds against Christ awfully hard to change someone's mind until your life speaks louder than your words and then it's very likely that you will change their mind the good news is you can change their mind either way right if you're wholeheartedly devotedly gracefully following Christ People see that and may want to know why, right? They want to know how. How have you changed? How are you like this? Why are you like this? Talk to me more. But if we're on the other side of that, if we're half-heartedly lukewarm following, people are going to see that too. Those sitting on the fence, those in our lives that are questioning, that are thinking, is, is this worth it? Is this worth what I'm going to have to give up to follow Christ? Is this worth the cost? He talked about that, right? You need to count the cost for following him. Because there is a price to be paid. And so that's what all your friends who are sitting on the fence that are looking at your life are thinking. Is this worth the price that I'm going to have to pay for it? And they're looking at your life to see whether it's worth the price that you paid for it. As Christians, as God's people who have been transformed by the power of his son, the resounding answer ought to be yes. That our lives are in line, in step, in sync with His. That we now live His life. By the grace of God, we get to be clay jars that give His grace and salvation to the rest of the world. May our lives never point people away from Christ, but may they always point them toward Him. This morning, if you're struggling, we want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. If you've not been baptized, we would love to have the opportunity to sit down with you and study. 
about salvation, about what this cost is. Maybe you counted the cost today and you're, you're ready to be baptized into Christ, to have your sins washed away. We want to aid you in any way we can. If you come this morning as we stand and sing. Jesus is tenderly calling to home, calling to day, calling to day. Fly from the sunshine of love without home, farther and farther church family. It's good to see everybody here this morning. If, if you are visiting with us, please take a moment to fill out a visitor card and place it in one of the black boxes in the back um, or hand it to a member uh, beside you so that way we can have a record of your attendance. Well, today is a Kirk Eat Kirk. Uh, today's potluck. Uh, life group three is in charge of cleanup afterwards. That's Jeremy and Dickie's life group. But we do welcome everybody to stay for that. Uh, we always have plenty of food. We'd love to have you. Uh, and um, get a fellowship with one another, brothers and, brothers and sisters in Christ. Also, uh, don't forget that we will be singing at Wingate following our 1 o'clock service today. Uh, we do encourage you to come to that. Um, also, uh, if you're planning on helping with Vacation Bible School, there will be a short meeting uh, up front. Uh, after services this morning before potluck. Uh, so if you're planning on helping with VBS, please meet up here. Um, May 3rd, Stepping Stone Supper this coming Wednesday. Smoked pork is on the menu, so that sounds delicious. Jeremy is smoking it, so that's great. Uh, so I do encourage everybody to come to that. That is, uh, helps our mission fund as well. Also, uh, May 6th at 5 p.m. is preschool through fifth grade. They will be building birdhouses. Uh, also, May 12th is teen lock-in, and uh, May 14th is a deadline for uh, Fort Hill registration. So if you have a child going to Fort Hill, please sign them up in order to get the discount by May 14th. May 20th is Hometown Love at the Fairgrounds at 9 o'clock. 
have a lot of announcements, y'all, so please bear with me. Uh, May 21st, a senior reception. Um, we have four seniors graduating high school this year, Blake, Lucy, Mason, and Steeler. Um, so that is on May 21st. Um, we'll celebrate their graduation after evening services. May 27th, a youth group will be having a devotional in a cave at Carter Caves, at State, Carter Caves State Park, and the bus will be leaving at noon. Also, Life Group 1, that's Rick and Chad's Life Group, will be having their monthly meeting following uh, morning services. Mowing schedule is out in the foyer board. If you can help out with mowing, please sign up. Also, the youth group summer calendar is done. Please pick a copy up from the foyer table. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jim Wilgus, Terry Leap, Jim Haney, and Amber Spitzer in your prayers as they continue with their cancer treatments and keep the doctors and their families in your prayers at this time. Keep Doug Deeds in your prayers. He's an elder at South Point. He's having breathing issues. Uh, keep Jamie Estes in your prayers. He's in surgery right now. Uh, surgery would take about five to six hours, so keep him in your prayers at this moment. And also uh, keep Steeler Relief in your prayers as well. Uh, Steeler had uh, labrum surgery on Friday. He's recovering from it. Everything went well. And uh, just keep Steeler Relief in your prayers. And uh, keep Holly Leap uh, in your prayers. She's graduating Otterbahn today. Uh, so congratulations to her. So keep her in your prayers. And Katie Trevathan will graduate college from Lipscomb University next weekend. And Clara Lewis graduated Marshall uh, yesterday. So got some uh, graduates um, from college. So keep those uh, kids in our prayers as they start their new life and new journey. That's all the announcements I have. Looking forward to seeing everybody again at 1 o'clock. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer. Let's please stand again. We'll sing hymn number 417, My God and I. We'll sing the first and the last verse, and then Brother Steve Wallace will have a prayer. First and the last verse. My God and I, come in the fields together. We walk and talk as good friends do. We clasp our hands, our voices ring with Pray with me. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for loving us and thankful for this time we have together. Songs that we've sung and uh, remembering, uh, remembering Christ in the Lord's Supper, hearing another message proclaimed from your truth. Pray that all of the things that we've done here today are pleasing to you. Pray that you would uh, go with us as we share a meal together now. Pray that uh, you would go with us in this new week and help us to serve you, uh, help us to do your will. We pray that our lives would be shaped in, into the image of Christ. We give you thanks for all of, all of these many blessings. In Jesus' name, amen.